This is a conversation with Bolaji Okunu. I mean, I got to pronounce Nigerian names real, real proper. Um, Bolaji is a lawyer. He has a law firm called Okunu Law Group, and he uh, has worked on deals, you know, sync deals, cannabis deals, brand deals, licensing deals, record deals, where artists like Mona Leo, um, Maxo Cream, Davido, Finesse Two Times, OG Bobby Billions, just, you know, a lot of, lot of, uh, different people so he just drops a lot of game drops a lot of knowledge on uh, the music business and you know from from his perspective all right so welcome welcome i have the legend the one the only balaji balaji okunu lawyer extraordinaire uh, oh I, you didn't have to shave for this you know you didn't have to shave for this right yo, i totally did not shave for this <laughs> I, I like that you put the esquire in there um so they know you're a lawyer if anyone's watching on youtube balaji usually does not look this young he usually looks like a like an old man because he is an old man um no all right. i look really young you do um so this is good because I feel like, you know, most people I've had so far, like I kind of have a good sense of their story. But low key, you you're you're a reclusive one. Like, I feel like, you know, we grew up we both grew up in Houston. You know, I think, you know, a leaf whole thing. I know you because, you know, you, you were around. Uh, I don't know if you were part of cream or you were around cream and then but Maxo, Toby and them. And, you know, I just I feel like I woke up one day and I just saw that you were just Mr. Rolls Royce, just Mr. You know, you, you're, you got you got this law degree. You're clearing records. So what was that path? Because like the point of this podcast is really like, there you know some careers are pretty cut and dry. If you want to go, if you want to go be a nurse, you know, okay, I go take this course. If you want, you know, but certain careers, you know, I've been talking a lot of people, actors, you know, influencers, yeah. TV writing. It's not so cut and dry. So it's like, how do you get there? And you are a lawyer, but you you have a very specific practice where you do a lot of music stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, that exact premise of your question is a reason of why I went to law school in the first place. You know, just being around that whole, um, being around that whole energy or that whole what ecosystem, you know, of like Maxo, Toby, you know, getting that first taste of like what the music business was supposed to be like, but not exactly knowing what role I wanted to play in it, you know, and along with, you know, being also knowing that I wanted to stand you know, as like an independent giant on my own, you know, like when I look at my future, um, made that decision for me going to law school. And law school was just something I always tell law students, you know, or other people that ask me like, hey, why be a lawyer? Why choose being a lawyer? And, and I just feel like the law degree is the one degree that you could get in America that is you stand on the side of the fence that's like, yo, fuck school, never going to fucking school, want to do whatever the fuck I want go get a law degree. You know, if you also admire education and you want to be the most fluent and educated and posh motherfucker on the planet, you know, go get a law degree as well. And it just gives you the ability to honestly, like, do whatever the fuck you want to do and it gives you a license to print money. And that's wow. why I, that's why I ultimately went to law school, yeah. Wait, but where'd you go? I went to Thurgood Marshall at TSU in Houston. Okay, see, I, I feel like at least I remember reading articles over the past several years where it was like law school. If you don't go to like, you know, a top five and it, it, it starts to not be worth it. But I see, obviously yours has been very worth it. So like, how are you able to, you know, make your practice? 
I think it depends on the path, you know. Um, I tell people that there are two different types of, of um, lawyers, and I take it back to, like, primitive society. So we could talk about, like, the role of hunters and skinners in society, right? When you look at a primitive society, like, you have a village, and they break everyone into different—everyone has different roles and niches, right? You have the hunters, and you have the skinners, right? The hunters are very important because they go out into the field— and they hunt the food. If the hunters go out into the field, they don't bring home any kill, the whole village doesn't eat. The skinners are also equally as important because you have the skinners there and they, they skin the food alive. They make sure there are no poisonous herbs or anything that are being used to, to make the food and the whole village is still able to feed, right? It's the same thing as, okay, when, when I get this law degree, right? Or where do I get it from? If I want to be a hunter, right? And I want to go out, grab clients on my own, do whatever the fuck I want to do, it really doesn't fucking matter where I get my law degree from because I'm not applying for anybody's job. Nobody, no one is coming to give me, you know, a great skill and say like, hey, you know, we can't hire you because we got that Malari from Harvard, you know, with a 4.0 GPA. You know, it, like, it was like a 3. Point, it was 3. Point, it was like 3.7. It was like a 3.7. So um, no one is coming to me to talk about any GPAs, you know. So I'm on the hunter side, you know. Now, if I'm a skinner, you know, now I'm going to like big law. You know, I'm going to work in the DA's office, you know. I'm going to go be in-house counsel at Disney, in-house counsel at Netflix, you know, or at or any of the Fortune 500 companies, right? Now, and that premise, where you go to law school matters, who you know matters, a lot of other fa- different factors matter, right? Because now you're getting into the game and in the basis of these are players that are already playing it. While I'm getting into the into the game and I'm looking for people that need my skill, you know, so yeah. so it's like so it's like a completely different playing field, and which is why when I went to TSU, I I heard all the you know rumors like oh nobody don't go to TSU this 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 or that, but I just knew all I wanted was this piece of paper back here, you know. Once I got this piece of paper that says a hey, Bellagio Cullen the lawyer, I knew I could do whatever the fuck I want to do after that, you know. And I think what? that was this part for me. Wow, that's, I mean, that's amazing. So what was your, um, what was like your favorite class in law? Like what class like really stood out for you? I'm, I'm, well, I have a guess in mind, but you tell me. In law school? Yeah. But I actually like constitutional law for some weird fucking reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was my favorite class. I, I, thought I, was, I, I was gonna say contracts. I was gonna say contracts. I know you'd be, you know, you work on so many contracts. Man, I'll be, I'll be real with you. Like, bro. Okay, so there's a crazy thing about like the whole process of being a lawyer, right? And the craziest part is, okay, from the jump, what you learn to take your LSAT has nothing to do with being in law school. And all the shit that you do in law school, the exams that you take and everything, all the knowledge that you gain, it honestly has nothing to do with like when you practice. Like, it's very fucking weird, you know? And which is why I think a lot of law students like do so well during law school but they're also unable to pass the bar exam. You know, I think they're unable to like really navigate, you know, that, that, um, all that information that they've learned and put it into like a practical perspective. You know, that's where you end up hearing the phrase of like thinking like a lawyer, you know, do you have the ability to think like a lawyer, you know? So I feel like for me, like contract law, it was cool. Like I learned like the basic four corners of a contract, you know, offer, consideration and acceptance you know I, I learned that but when it comes to hey let's do a deal with um <laughs> with 
money back yo over here or do a deal with whoever, you know, none of that shit like translates over, you know, even like my entertainment law class that I took, I never learned a fucking thing about music deals, you know, it was more so of like just knowing like the basis of like intellectual property, you know, and that, that you know, that's my take on that. Well, so. okay. So you, you mentioned money back. Yo, I mean, so that's one thing I feel like I go through your Instagram. You, you have so, you've done so many, I mean, you worked out, I, I want to say you work with Maxo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mono Leo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, finesse two times, I believe, right? Yeah, I got finesse two times as well. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say, I, I was gonna say a couple of some Afrobeats artists, but I don't want to get them wrong. But which which ones of those? Oh, so I have a partnership with another law firm in Nigeria. We actually do David O stuff. So um, I actually worked out a pub deal for David. I believe it was last year. Uh, so that was like my first, you know, take of you know really working with like an artist that's like on a fucking global scale. You know, and it was pretty cool to be able to like spearhead that whole thing. So, I mean, how did that even, I mean, so, cause you hear about so many artists signing bad deals. So like, I mean, you know, I know you, you probably charge, you know, what, like $5,000 per hour, but you know, what, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to give, <laughs> you want to give hey. somebody some. Hey, hey you got to cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I know, you know, you're, you're, you're a posh person, you know, you're, you're very, you know, you like, you like nice things. Um, right. you, you're, you're worth it. So, but like, what would you advise? Like you hear all these stories about, you know, people signing these bad deals and, you know, like what, I mean, obviously you don't have time to go into like a whole course, but like what, like how do you approach a deal? Like when you, when you're doing it? Okay. So there are a lot of material parts of a deal, you know, before you get into all the legal jargon, they're pretty, I'll say, don't quote me on the number, but when I go down the list and we can see if the number is accurate or not, but I'll say just maybe like anywhere from six to 10 major things in a deal, right? That lets you know if you have a good deal or a bad deal. The first thing would be the term of the deal. How long is the deal for, right? Which go all, which will, which was all subjective based on what kind of deal you have, you know, whether it's a production deal, actual distribution deal, publishing deal, you know, whatever, a brand licensing deal, you know, all that differs. So the term of the deal is one, is the most and is, important. is that usually like a, a, a time or a number of albums or is it? So both? when it's like an album deal, generally what you have is that it will say, hey, this deal is for one album plus three options, right? And the three options pretty much means that the label or the third party that's signing you has the opportunity to say, hey, you know, we want to move forward to another album period but we'll give you another advance, you know, put money behind your marketing and everything, you know, to pretty much, you know, keep the show going. Or to say, hey, it's been nice doing business with you, but this shit's not really making any money. So we want you to just fuck off, you know. Like, so that's what the option period is, you know. The option period is never at the election of the artist. The option period is always at the election of the company, right? So that would be like the first most important part of the album period. The next thing that would be important is the ownership, Right. Who owns the master recordings, right? Is it going to be the third party that's signing you, or are you going to own the master recordings, or are you going to give them a license? You know, and regardless, the third party signing you is either going to need ownership or they're going to need a license. The reason why they need one of each is because they need the ability to be able to exploit the records, right? Because if they don't have a license or a master, then they can't exclusively put out the music, right? On DSPs, which is iTunes, Spotify, and you know, um, what's the other one? Yeah, Apple, oh. Apple. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you said Apple. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, really Apple. Apple. 
I think this was Antidal. Yeah, shit like oh, yeah, that. Title. Yeah, yeah well, Jay-Z, like... Jay-Z's going to get mad at us. <laughs> you know, those are DSPs. And then also put it on, you know, YouTube. You know, pretty much anywhere that music is digested by consumers, right? So where they have, once they have that right, then they don't have to worry about any kind of like DCMA or copyright takedowns, right? So right. that will be the second most important thing. Then the third most, then the third thing that you look for now we start getting into like the money. It's like okay, how much am I getting signed for? You know, what's my advance, right? And then from the advance, then you start looking at budgets, right? How much of a recording budget do I have? How much of a marketing budget do I have, right? Uh, do I have a discretionary marketing budget, right? And then you start looking at publishing. Do they own my publishing? Do I or do I have a publishing right of first negotiation or public a publishing right of first refusal, right? And then you start looking at um, all the ancillaries, right? Which would be like any like brand endorsements and any deals like that, as well as touring, right? And one of the most important things I like to put in like a deal, because once the artist makes the advance, the only place that they actually make money now and the two thing the two things that you want to protect is their branding and their touring. So with the branding, I never want to just give away like their merch to the to the um, label because they make a lot of money off of merch. Like you see, like mm-hmm. Young Thug turned Spider into like a fucking million dollar corporation, you know, and so on. And you know, you know, Spider is like Young Thug's like merch. For, I didn't know for that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's like his artist merch, you know. And so you have like all these other artists that make a lot of money from their merch. Even Maxo has Persona, you know. Persona makes Maxo a lot of fucking money, you know. And that's just completely outside of the music. That's more on the creative side, right? Yeah. So you yeah. want to protect the touring. I've heard that touring is where a lot of artists really, you know, make money. Yeah, so the touring is like the bulk of their money. So what we do is we put something called a tour shelter, right? And what the tour shelter is, is that it pretty much says like, hey, when this artist goes on tour, the label is not going to touch. Uh, I generally like to get that number to be about 250000 to 300K. So before... So until the artist makes two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand, and then we could bring the label in at somewhere like seven percent of like touring receipts, right? So that is definitely something to protect, and then publishing is also something to protect, right? And so everything else outside of that is going to be like the technical like jargon, you know, and and where we're gonna be using like language like, oh, is it reasonable for you to do this? You know, like we're, we'll play like the the legal game, you know, of of who's the wittiest, <laughs> you know. But along outside of that, you know, those are the major material terms and like what would be like a major distribution deal, you know. Major but distribution, all, like like yeah, Twenty One Savage. Deals are different, you know. And then you know what? On this podcast today, we're gonna debunk something, right? We're gonna yes, let, please let's do it. Debunk the idea that three sixty deals are a bad thing because that's a fucking myth right and the thing is is like i get a lot of artists that call me i don't like yo i got 360 <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm like yeah you got 360 right but here's the thing right so and and i'll put it in like simplest terms right so if someone came and offered you a deal right to where they say hey i want i want to give you 300 to four hundred thousand dollars, right to sign this deal, like let's just say it's for favorable terms, right? For the years, let's say we want you to sign this deal for three years, uh, for four hundred thousand, and I want I want five percent of everything that you're making everywhere. 
It's not a bad deal. Um, I'm trying to think. No, because I mean, you have to make. I'm trying to think. Because four hundred thousand times twenty, basically, is um. Let me see. What's four hundred? That's like five million, right? So I have to make five million. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah, or eight million. Four hundred thousand times twenty is eight million. Wait, about twenty? So there's some Harvard math that you fucking <laughs> doing right now. Well, I guess <laughs> it's at you said it's at five percent, right? Um, yeah, so of everything, yeah, that, that you're making. So right, it went up, so, up to four hundred thousand. So it'll be like this. So you know all the important deal points that we just went through, right? If right. they were going to give you the four hundred k advance, but they will make five percent from Torrent. Remember, I said I would go for seven, right? They made five percent right. from Torrent. They made five percent of your merch. They made five percent of you know whatever other things that you do ancillary wise, right? And then they also make five percent of your royalties. They made five percent of. Yeah, I think once you get into royalties, that'll be it, right? right. So they make a five percent, but they're giving you all this money. Like that's not a bad deal, you know? Right, right. So now it'll be different if it was like eighty twenty, you know? And now they give you four hundred thousand, but they make it eighty percent of everything else that you're fucking making, and you just right. walk away with twenty percent, you know? So that's yeah. why the deal becomes bad. So it's more outside of people just looking at the deals. Like, was this a three sixty or not? It's more so a numbers game. You know, like how much of a percentage are they taking off of each category that's very fucking important to my career? You know, like so that that's one thing that I always try to like educate artists on, so they don't just automatically run away from when they see like, oh, it's oh wait, do they want a little bit of everything? You know, <laughs> like because unless you have a lot of fucking leverage, like most yeah. of the time, everybody signed a three hundred and sixty deal. You know, it's just do the numbers make sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I think also I, I was doing about twenty. So I was like five percent, like one divided by five percent is twenty. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, twenty. But anyway, I think um. So, what are the biggest mistakes that you see artists make? Like aside from being scared of a, of a three sixty, like what are the biggest mistakes they make when they sign deals? Man, I, one I would say is like not getting a lawyer. That's like one of the biggest mistakes because a lot of times I have artists come to me after shit has already hit the fan, as like. Why did you sign this deal? And, and and the thing is, it's like for artists, it's like it took me a while after like doing some of these deals for me to realize that one commonality that all the artists have is the fact that they're just happy that somebody fucking believes in them, you know? And that's like that's like where they really get taken advantage from, you know? It's this this artist has gone maybe their whole lives or however long they've been going through this creative process of creating music and putting it out there, just being so skeptical of people liking this body of work that they're creating. And finally, someone comes along the line and is like, hey, man, your shit's fire. Here's fucking 5K. Let's fucking go. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you hear about cool. you hear about some of these deals where. They get some some. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but the, the, you know, made some Fabio and just different things where you hear numbers and. But you know, some, it's not always the, the full story. But yeah, I think so. So, but I mean, are these artists tend to be? Because I know that a lot of labels will sign people when they're really unknown, right? When they might have like sometimes they might have like ten thousand followers, right, or even twenty thousand yeah. followers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, all of that, like I was saying, it all goes like. To the type of law, to the type of lawyer that you have, or how you approaching this deal, it's crazy. That you just said that. I actually just closed a deal with Columbia, like maybe like a week ago, with like this very young artist. Um, she really doesn't really have 
anything out there. I think she just had one song that kind of went viral on TikTok. And her man, her management came to me and it was like, yo, Columbia wants to put something on the table, you know? And I'm like, okay, cool. So I saw the offer from Columbia, you know, and I was like, and I was like, man, fuck this, you know, like, it, even, though, even though she's a developing artist, it's like I knew the position I was in for Columbia to want her and for me to see, like, okay, I understand her worth and see what leverage that she has. I had to make sure that I set up the deal bigger than what we are in today, right? So I think we kind of, like, started off the deal at, like, I think it was, like, 100K all in, and I, I drove it up to, like, 350 and then we brought in, we brought in, um, we did like a, a pub deal in conjunction to it that kind of made sense. Got her like another hundred k, like ended up doing the deal to to be at like four hundred and fifty k. You know, all right. Well, and, I know when I when I get a podcast deal, I know who I'm coming to. I know I know where I'm straight <laughs> so, straight coming to. Hey, you're free to go to whatever lawyer that you want to go to. But hey, <laughs> what's up with your boy? <laughs> 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 well, oh, okay. guy. <laughs> well, okay. Why did you did you ever think about the like the criminal defense? Okay, I know you talk about like being you know growing up. No, bro. No. I, I will tell you why, bro. Being a criminal defense lawyer, it's like if you get into trouble right now, right? And I come to you like, yo, that one lawyer, let me help you. You know, my name's Belagio Cullen. I've been practicing for three years. Um, give me hundred k. You're gonna tell me fuck off <laughs> you know you're, you're like yo what the fuck no like you're gonna go look at a track record of some older attorney that's been doing this shit for the last fucking 40 years you know has like zero conviction rate you know to get everybody off the fucking hook and you will give that guy 100k before you come to me now uh, yeah my, my end you know it's i can and honestly, it's like, that's why I do the whole fucking, that's why you go on my Instagram and there, there's this whole like lifestyle, Rolls Royces, this, 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 and that. I just honestly use that to just help my image of like artists like running into me and believing that, hey, my attorney has a bag so he could get me a bag. You know? That's true. That's true. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I, I, be, I see, I see you. I saw you the other day <laughs> leaving somewhere with, with the double R. I was like, all right, this dude's. So this is a this is a lawyer. The reason I asked about the defense things, I, I know that you you said you know basically you were around Maxo and everybody, and I know mm-hmm. that like I grew up like I was never in cream or anything, but I knew you know I grew up around that area, A Leaf, all that stuff, and there was always issues, you know people you know that was always like an element of of that area. So I know that you said oh you wanted to be basically you saw the music side, you were like oh I want to be a part of that, but I know that there was also you know other, other issues, you know like not with, not not saying Maxo specifically, but just growing up in that area. But but you know, for us growing up in A Leaf, like bro, I don't know about you, but I didn't know no fucking rich defense attorney. Oh, of course, but I, I I felt like I thought maybe like you might be like, okay, I see people getting into trouble. The same way you're like, okay, these people get into music, I want to be the one who helps them with music. Like he's like, oh, people get into trouble, I want to be the one to help them get get them out of trouble. But but I feel like for me, okay, I feel like when it came to that, right? I honestly, I. I wasn't motivated by that. I feel like, so for me, I honestly have like a real passion for music. Like I really love music. When I was in Nigeria, I would like play the drums like for like the school when I came to America. I was when, is, the- when did you come? I, didn't, I, I never knew if you grew up. So you lived in Nigeria. Yeah, I lived in Nigeria. I was born in Nigeria. I lived in Nigeria until I was like nine, about to be 10. Oh, okay. So that was like in 2003. Okay. Uh, I I, I, so I, 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 was, I was six when I was six when I moved. So. Oh. 
on fire. Yeah, see, so we have that like Nigerian like foundation, you know, <laughs> that yeah. is pretty much like what got us to where we are today, right? So yeah, so for me, I always had a passion for music, and so when I looked at going into the music business, um, it wasn't like I looked at it and saw um, like the people that I was around, you know, A Leaf, you know, Houston. I think I just kind of saw it as like a business. Like, honestly, for me, I didn't even see it on an artist side. I saw it on like a Viacom, CBS, you know, like I saw it on that kind of scale, you know, so it wasn't. So I was looking at like corporations, you know, working with corporations, you know, rather than like working with individual artists. And so when it came to when it came to thinking about it on the criminal defense side, like I honestly never it never crossed my mind. Right? I never I was never inspired by any criminal defense attorney. that I felt like, oh, wow, like they're really living the life I want to live. Even when I watched fucking Proctor and fucking Power, like <laughs> I said that it make me want to be a criminal defense attorney and fucking get killed. Music music looks a lot more fun for sure. Yeah, so I mean, it, yeah, music is a lot more fun. It looks fun. It looks fun, but it's fucking hectic, man. I, I'm honestly ready to like transition out of like the lawyer side, you know, and be on some like more exec shit, you know, like, Okay, you know, like manager or like studio studio exec label. So label know, I manage like Afrobeats artists. I actually have two Afrobeats artists I manage right now. I manage an artist named Maradona and an artist named BBK. Okay, that's Afrobeats. why I ran into you with the other day. You were with BBK. Yeah. Oh yeah, fact, I was with BBK. Yeah, so those are two Afrobeats artists that I manage. But I want to go more so like power, like do like some power link up. You know, with some guys I've been talking, I've been talking about this shit. Maybe it's too soon to drop this, but you know, me and some guys, like we're gonna we're gonna put some shit together very soon. You know, and once we're able to like pull that money out for one of those majors, get that JV, and really like hit the ground running, I think it's something that we could really do. Like, if there's one thing about me, a lot of the artists that I have, it's like I believe in them like super early. You know. Like, before they really had anything really going on, you know, I believe in them super early, you know, and it just took, and it just, I have an ear for music, you know, I actually have an understanding of, like, how the music business works and how the business of music also works, which is two completely different things, you mm-hmm. know, so I just think I'm just kind of ready to go into that other phase, like, I want to enjoy, like, the life of, like, working in the music business, because being a lawyer, we're just in the back, in the background paper pushing, you know, like hey, that's literally all we're doing. I feel you. I'll keep. I mean, I'll say the the music business and stuff that could be hectic too, though. You know that that could also be hectic. It's a different type of hectic, but it could be hectic too. Yeah, but I think it's just a lot more fun. You know, oh like, for sure, for I, sure. I look at it as like now I have like an actual corporation I work in. And I feel like maybe I could be like on Succession or some shit. Have you watched, <laughs> watched Succession before? Yeah, hey, I watched how, like, a little bit. The boardroom gets real interesting. It's like, yo, okay, let's power play over here, run this. You know, I, I want to get more into that. You know, well, right? I, that's a that's a good point. It brings up my next point because I feel like you, you know, so I saw a, a comment. I think you posted about your business. Give a business, um, Doopsy's Kitchen, and uh, yeah. I think with your mom. And actually, I, yeah. you know, I got I always support. I went I went there recently, but like you, you know, you posted that, and I remember Toby. Sorry, our friend Toby. He manages Maxo. He's in the music business. He has a, a label called Stomp Down. Um, and Toby was talking about how you guys always saw envision yourselves, you know, even just as a young, young, just envision yourselves as successful. And right. I feel like that's one thing I, about you and Toby, 
like your 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 Instagram that used to be Balaji conglomerates, which I always <laughs> thought was like, yo, I feel like you always have had this like you're gonna be an executive of like where did yeah. that come from? Like were you like did you because where you go to school and I was so I went to Leesman, I went to Youngblood, and I moved to like uh Fort Ben uh Fort Ben, but I would you know I was in that area. You went to Youngblood? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. you went to Hastings, right? You played football. You, you I, I seen a little yeah. so like have you always had because I feel like it's weird, like Houston, especially that area, like there's certain people who so this this side of this part of called A Leave, it's basically on the on, on the the west side of it basically is is bound by the street called Highway Six. And I say the right side of it, it is bound by this street, uh um like by Beltway Eight or this this uh this oh, Beltway. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like there are people who don't even really see themselves ever leaving there, or they see like your whole world can be because you know Houston's a big a big town or big city, and your whole world can be in the small part. So what about like what made you kind of always had this vision of like I'm gonna be a boss I'm gonna be executive like Balaji conglomerate like I'm gonna be you know because I feel like you're you're now living that life that you yeah. kind of always envisioned yeah man honestly I I could take it back to the grassroots and said you know growing up like where I grew up in in Lagos was just not you know like I grew up in like the real trenches of Lagos you know like Wait, Mushi yeah, oh, you grew Mushi yeah, I grew up in Okay, Mushi. I was in, I was in Suleri. I was I was yeah. just a little you know. So you're not too far away, bro. You're yeah, not, not too far away from where I grew yeah, up. I did, yeah. Shout out, I did around Gusonya, um, Bore Tamas, you know that area. <laughs> Yo, you just went federal. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. You just went federal. But yeah, man. So you know, like grow, growing up in Mushi was like a completely different like environment. And oh yeah, just, let me for the audience. Mushi is like uh I'll call it a slum basically in, in Lagos, right? And it's like a it's a rougher it's like the trenches of of Lagos, I'll say. Mushi is that other place? What's that 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 place on the water that's also really pretty um I can't remember the name of it, but oh, like it's Saleko? Is that what you're talking about? Some, no, some I'll find it, but uh, but Mushi is uh you know definitely the trenches. So you so it comes from so it comes from there? Yeah. So uh, I think being from there, oh, Makoko. That's what it's called, Makoko. That's the other part that's kind of. Oh, true. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just talking about yeah. So you know what? You know what's crazy? That's actually like where my dad's side of the family is from. So it's like we're like we're like also real like trench shit. Like we're like <laughs> you know like we're in the we're like real city boys. You know, <laughs> area so, boys. Real area boys. <laughs> so it's like from there, you know, and coming to America. And just seeing like things just being completely different, and just seeing how much easier it was to do things. I was like, "Oh, it's just easy," you know. And then honestly, where things started changing was when I met Toby, and then I saw the way Toby's mom was living, you know, like Range Rover, you know, nice house in Sugarland, you know. Oh so- man, let me let's 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 talk real quick about. Sh- so when I, I remember when I was growing up in Houston, like if you live in A Leaf, like A Leaf was kind of like. Middle, like I say, like middle class, but kind of the tra- like hood, like hood, yeah. but like, cause, like because we're we're, I, we're on the line, you know. We're, there's yeah, a lot of we're, shit going like, on. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah they're basically there are apartments that are really cheap and like a lot of crime. There are also some houses, some homes, but there's like it, it's like a good amount of crime, even though you know it's not like I'm not gonna front act like it's like O block, but it's you know it's it's it's, it's yeah. whatever. And then Fort Bend, I'll say, is like a step above that. It's kind of like okay, Fort Bend is like. You're you're really more middle class now, and then Sugarland yeah. to me was like Sugarland was like, it might it might as well have been Beverly Hills to me, you know. Um, <laughs> like Sugarland was like Be- Beverly Hills, Bel Air. And actually, now yeah. that I've been around the world, now that we've all been around the world, it's like Sugarland's nice. Don't get me wrong, but like, but I just want to put for the audience, like for the listeners, 
for us, like us being little middle schoolers, high, you know, yeah, I'm, I don't know. When, when did you meet Toby? Uh, I met Toby, I believe it was my junior year in high school, junior Yeah, so, so being like little, like kind of middle schoolers, high schoolers, Sugarland was like for us. If you grew up in A Leaf, Sugarland was kind of like you. You made it. Like this is the this is the right. nicest. And like it's funny now that right. you, you, you're around Houston more. You're like oh, like River Oaks is like there's yeah. real money in Houston. Like River Oaks Yo, and I couldn't the, like, imagine Memorial. shit like River Oaks. Like when I was a junior in high school. Oh, Memorial River Oaks. These, sorry, these are like to the listeners. We're over here talking to ourselves. But like these are nicer. Like the nicest neighborhoods in Houston. Probably. Yeah. And it's like, all this shit, like, motivates you. Like, today, now, I live in the center of fucking River Oaks, you know? Like, I couldn't imagine, like, seeing shit like that when I was younger. You know, I didn't see River Oaks for real in Houston till when I started law school and I was living in the Galleria, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, like, damn, this is crazy. But, you know, it, it's funny that you said that, because I do think that, like, like, Houston has a lot of Africans, a lot of Nigerians, and I wonder what kind of motivates... Because, I mean, Maxo... Um, Toby Negre, like what kind of yeah. motivates um these you know all, all of us and I think you're right like I think coming from Nigeria you just have and not, not everyone lived in like you, we are not I don't know did Toby ever live in Nigeria I don't know nah mm-hmm. okay yeah but so you, like not everyone did but like having that connection where you go like America it's hard to Im- explain to people what America is I remember like when I moved to LA and I, that's why I love Toby because Toby has always been somebody who never act like he didn't belong. You know, like he never like would walk into a room. Like I would be the type of person when I moved to LA, I'll be at a party. I'm taking, I'm let me get a picture with the game and ice cube son. Like I'm trying, you know, and like, I remember Toby was in that, in that famous viral video at, uh, uh, at the rock nation brunch where, where, uh, Kevin Hart's giving his speech, you know, where, oh, yeah. and, and somebody, and somebody say, yo, Toby, somebody replies, yo, Toby, I know you belong there. Cause you didn't pull out your phone. Cause Toby's in a video, but he don't have his phone out. And yeah. I think that, you know, America, when you come from Nigeria, America seems so distant and big to you Facts. that, like, I think it gives you this ambition, but also, like, it gives you this, this shock when you kind of get to some of these places. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I never feel I never feel the same way, you know? I think just the idea of what America was to me and then coming here and just actually, like, seeing it is, I don't even know at what point I actually, like, digested the fact that, oh, shit, I am in America you know, but I just know that I just, I just saw certain things. I just knew what I really like wanted. And sometimes I'll ask my mom, like, damn, like I look at everyone in my family. No one really has that ambition to want to be like rich as fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I feel like it's some, like, I think I, it's, it's almost like if you don't, and I'm not gonna say that. I don't know. I don't know if I have one, but if you don't have a rich uncle, it's like, I want to be, I want to be my own rich uncle. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. I want to be exactly. like, and the great thing is, so my mom's dad was actually like super wealthy, right? And we we lived with with his uh with my grandma, which is pretty much like his ex wife. So we lived with her for a while. So we would only visit every once in a while. But I was still too young to really understand, you know, how wealthy he was, right? And after he passed away, you know, my, my mom's dad was like a polygamist. Like he had multiple wives and everything. So, you know, like just that whole fortune was just like not something my mom even wanted to like involve herself in. Right. Yeah. And so later down the line, when I talked to my mom, she was like, man, you're just like my dad. You're just like my dad. You know, and it all started to make sense to me because I always wondered because I looked at everyone else in my family. I looked at the things that I liked and the things I like to do, and it just never aligned with anybody, you know? 
But my mom would always see me do shit. And she's like, "Man, you're just like my dad. You're just like well, my dad." Were you like, uh, were you like one of those kids who like sold candy and uh, like, were you, you know, were you always oh, hustling? Right. I sold okay. candy. I sold shoes. Like, yo, I saw, I sold water to a well. Like, yo, that's really, you know, that's really how me and Toby really became tight. Because we were like, yo, we would be like, we were just ready to hustle. I remember we were like sixteen. Like you we and Toby. Yeah, we had to be like 16 or something where we sat down. I, I, I'll never forget is like we sat down in his mom's um in his mom's like I guess it's like a foyer or whatever we could call it. You know, I was just and I remember Toby was doing homework. I've always been a person that was like good at school, but I never had to study. So I never like studied or anything. And every time I come around, Toby's always fucking studying. And I remember that's what just fucking annoyed me to the core. Like, what the fuck is he fucking studying all day? You know, and Toby was the one that actually wanted to be a lawyer for a while, you know. And so we're like sitting down talking that day, and we're like, man, what do we really want to do? And I was like, man, honestly, like, I don't know, but I I just feel like I don't want to be like just following you and Maxwell and the gang around. So until I can figure it out, I think I'm going to go to law school, you know. I think I'm just going to be a lawyer, and that way I could just figure it out. At least I know, like, with that, I would have fell in life, you know. And it was yeah. like, man, I want to be a well, that's cool. What was it like following Max? Because I, I, I kind of met Maxo more later, but like, what was it like following Maxo and him around? Because there was, you know, back, I mean, it's all, everything's copacetic now, but back then, there was all the different cliques and beefs in Houston yeah, and Houston and you go to parties and like, even to this day, it's funny, people ask me what I do in Houston and I know Houston has like nicer areas, but I low-key have PTSD just from like a lot, like parties getting shot up. Like not even from that era, but just like, yeah. it's all not. schools and shit. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. people, yeah. Honestly, it wasn't too bad because I honestly feel like the way that the way that my parents really just had me fucking on lock, right? It it caused less of a chance of me like being in bullshit, right? So it was like I never was really just open to mad bullshit, you know. So even though I was in cream with Max, so I know, you know, like where you know, we're repping all the A-Leaf, doing whatever. I was never really just, like, open to too much bullshit. Plus, you know, the beef would generally be with, like, people like Fort Ben. A lot of people, when I was in Cream, like, it was only me and Lyndon that, that were actually, like, going to A-Leaf schools that were in Cream. You know? Oh, okay. No, no one else was, like, in Cream or, like, knew or even really, like, they just knew that. They knew what Cream was, of course, you know? Like, oh, like, Sneaker Group, they got all the heat, blah, blah, blah. But nobody really no there was no one else in cream like everyone was like swagger um fdab yeah fdab rns you know like all Mass that mode, shit. probably yeah. see now nah, mass mode that was like some south side i think like thor war like one oh, okay, okay. like they, they had that shit going on over there so cream was really like some four band like hisd shit you know it was yeah, really Kempner, like, right a lot of kempner people kempner exactly. High School. you know it was really like just a bunch of people in kempner you know, so when all that whole, like, young high school beef shit was going on, unless, like, I was at the mall with some, with some people, like, on, like, a random Saturday, that was never really, like, <laughs> much, you know. At first, at first colony? Yeah, there was never too much about Holland in sight, you know. It was always, it was always cool. So, and I, I've honestly just never really been a problematic person myself, you know. I don't like to involve myself in, in other people's issues, Um and people don't really see me and automatically think like, oh, like this guy's beefing me because I probably just have like a nonchalant. I really don't yeah. give a fuck what I'm going on shit look on my face. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. feel like a, a lot of people kind of, it's like 
we were like you'd be around it but not part of it sort of not you but just like i think like the violence and stuff although like i mean mm-hmm. how did you because like cream like there not to get like dark but there was like a time when people were like getting killed well, a little bit like yeah. you know around like 20 maybe like 13 14 ish like yeah. around the era like a few people yeah but but you know i think some of them were like no was no was ever like violence on violence i think there were like some kind of like situational errors oh yeah yeah no for sure there was like a robbery gone wrong there was like yeah exactly there were like situational errors gone wrong yeah and then somebody and then there was a situation where somebody from cream had killed somebody from you know like but yeah it it was but yeah i mean like but you were always like like not i mean you were never part of it but you were always like around you were part of cream but you were not like part of the bs basically yeah like how did you like were you just like the person who were like, all right, this party is about to get turned up. I'm leaving now. Or like, like, how did you avoid sort of? Bro, if I even got to go to the party, like shit, <laughs> like that would be the thing. Is like, did I ever get to go to the party? I probably remember like throughout high school, maybe like four parties that I ever got to attend. You know? Yeah. That's, so your mom, your mom kept you on lockdown. Yeah, that wasn't like the homecoming dance or anything like that. You know? So yeah, I mean, I remember I, from. I remember from be around the shit to be honest. Yeah, I remember for me, like there was this dude, this dude uh, 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 Hodges Band named Ray Penn, like Codus who I don't know, like back then everyone was like, yo, Ray Penn. And, I Ray Penn, the Hooper, right? Yeah, Ray Penn and Tommy Mason Griffin. Like the the, the debate in yeah. Houston was like who's who's better, Ray Penn and Tommy Mason Griffin. I thought Ray Penn was a coldest basketball player. I still think coldest basketball player. I thought he was better than Mushi Norris. Like when he was we were in eighth grade, I thought he was better than Mushi Norris, who was on the Rockets. But I remember one time I was at a party and Ray Penn said basically, like, I can't keep coming to, you know, I'm not doing this anymore because I have a future. I was like, yo, if I'm like I was like, man, I have a future too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because the party's like, they weren't really, they weren't getting shot up at that time, but people started joining, you know, seventh, eighth grade, people started joining gangs. And like, so parties would end up with somebody getting whooped, you know, somebody fighting somebody. I'm like, man, this yeah. is going to escalate into gunfire pretty soon. So, you know, like having, if you have a future, if you feel like you have a future, it's probably the best to, to move around. Uh, anywhere that's underage drinking and twerking, that's definitely bound for so that's like a recipe for some shit. Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely, I mean, it was like middle school, like early high school parties. We definitely weren't drinking, but there was twerking for sure and just just BS, like you know, unsuper, unsuper, like lack of supervision. Um, and yeah, just it is crazy to look back now and be like, wow, like people, you know, I mean, it was like you said, like so, now that I think about folks who did kind of, you know, unfortunately pass away, or you know, a couple people who did. We're on the other side of, of 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 a bullet. Like it was fluky or just random or just you know just dumb. But I, I do I feel like we all like that's one thing I feel like everyone in A Leaf in that area they have like some homie some friend who's like locked up for you know a long time you know behind some sort of you know violence of some sort. So it's always right. good to the people who kind of made it. Um. So what's it called? So what else? Um. Yeah, so how'd you link up with, with Money Bag Yo and like I guess or finesse two times? Man, like I feel like your your, your selection of artists is all like you had something you had a placement on two K. Like I feel like you have like a selection of artists. It's like you know it's Mona Leo, but then it's finesse two times, and then it's Davido. Like it's it's kind of like I mean it's all kind of urban music. But how are, how are you like how'd you connect with? I like the most random one is like finesse two times because he I know he signed to um a Junior I think right Mob Ties or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so Lincoln with Lincoln with Finesse um actually came through Christian. So I got hired by Christian to clear like this tape that um him and one oh, of by the way, Christian, that's shout out Christian, that's I Hustle No Luck on Instagram. Yeah, he's uh, he's works uh I guess Finesse's manager, I, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. Another yeah. A, another A Leaf person. I mean A Leaf is like Lizzo, Richard Lewis, Maxo. 
Oh, Toby, Nigue. I mean, you, Toby. I guess I, you know. I, I'll you know. I'll throw myself in there. You know. Calvin Laurie. Come on. A little, 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 little oh, bit. We got, little bit. we got, we got some wins over there, A Leaf, man. We got some. Yeah, wins. we have A Leaf is this goes on actually. Yeah, I mean Lizzo, especially. It's like yo, like that's you know. I mean, she's a superstar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, A Leaf is really that thing. Beyonce too. She went to Elsa. Did she? she did. Oh, I, be, I feel like she might have, but she definitely shot a video. Yeah. Of, I was thinking, I was really thinking she shot a video of Funplex. So I almost, I almost just want to claim her off of that. She went to um, Elsa. I believe, I believe she did. Beyonce went to every school. For That's sure. crazy. Um, yeah, I think she did. It says, okay, did Beyonce go to Elsa? I think she went to Elsa. Um, yeah, she also attended the high school for the performing arts and visual arts, and later A Leaf Elsa. Okay, so yeah, we could claim. Oh, we could claim Beyonce too. Oh, we're. Yeah, we're oh yeah, we're um. A-Leaf All-Stars. <laughs> A-Leaf All-Stars for real, for real. Um, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, so like, yeah, so you linked up with, with, with so Christian hired you to... I was Christian. I was clearing a project for him. Um, and then he ended up, was working with Finesse. And so Finesse had like some, like a little bit of issues with like some of his music and stuff out there. So, you know, I started working with Finesse, you know, I heard of it, I, and I realized, you know, he was the one that made the Going Straight In song. And that was a song that they were playing all the time in Houston. I was like, oh, man, yeah, all the time. Fire, you know, and I, when I found out he was incarcerated and he started really like telling me like, yo, I'm gonna be home soon. <clears throat> um, it's like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm gonna come out, you know, try some heat. I was like, yo, I gotta work with this guy, you know? And so, like, constructively through Christian, you know, I started, like, working with Finesse a bit, you know, and eventually, like, once we're able to, like, you know, hash out all the conflict of interest or anything that could be a problem, you know, I, you know, picked him up as a client and said, you know, we, we end up doing one of the biggest deals of 2022. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, speaking of Finesse, I mean, obviously, this, you know, how do you, because this, this is something that I've talked about with a, quite a few, um, well, I'll talk about this with a couple. So I have, I have an episode that I recorded with Jay Prince, actually. It was like in 2018. I'm, I'm a re-release. I didn't really, you know, I, I did a, a short-lived podcast. I, I didn't have the Bolaji behind me back then. I did a short-lived podcast in 2018. I didn't really promote it or put it out. But I have one with, with Jay Prince. And I, I talked to, uh, I don't know if you know, um, George Chidi. He's a, uh, a the journalist who's been uh, talking about the who's covering the YSL thing pretty closely. Yeah, yeah. He, he was on Vlad TV. But this is something we've talked. I've talked about with the couple people. But like, the, how do you like the, the relationship between the streets and um, just viol- like, like hip hop and the streets and all that? Because I feel like it's really turned up over the past few years. Like mm-hmm. you know, we. I, I think for me, like I remember. In like I can't remember. I think it was like 2016. There's this dude Bugatti from Houston who was kind of you know local kind of artist from A Leaf was yeah. hanging around with with you know uh, kind of rap a lot and stuff. He got shot and I kind of you know I heard like you know, at first I was like oh, like you know I guess no one knows who did it because no one got arrested. And then I was talking to a mutual friend of ours and he's like oh this person did it because this reason and, and why you know. And then in 2018 you know we sadly had like Kenny Lou and Ghost get killed outside of Onyx and you know not to you know word in the streets was that it was tied to certain things. And so, like, how do you like navigate? I mean, obviously, you're 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 a suit, so you're not in there. But like, as you deal with artists, how do you kind of? I mean, if you, if you advise them, or if you if you even just have conversations about, okay, like leaving that stuff behind, right? Because we've we've seen so many artists, you know, Dolph, um, you know, Mo three. I mean, uh, what's it called? What's his name? Uh, that song, Yellow Beezy, He survived, obviously, but people who have been targeted. And so, how do you like? You know, and I guess you also grew up in A, so you kind of at least have a little bit of understanding. You were part of Cream, obviously, so you have a, an understanding of how that stuff works. So how do you 
kind of like what's your perspective on that as this stuff kind of keeps happening man honestly one thing i would say is that i'm fortunate enough to most of the artists i deal with like they've grown past the looking for street credibility phase right right? like they've they've already passed that you know like for instance when i get on the phone i talk to somebody about maxo Maxo is so on his CEO shit. Like Maxo and his fatherhood on. stuff and his fatherhood yeah. thing too. Yeah, Maxo doesn't get on the phone and wants to like, oh man, fuck this nigga that's disturbed. You know, like he's not, he's not getting on the phone talking about that. You know, Maxo's getting on the phone is he's talking about a brand deal that he was doing. He's talking about a play that he wants to put together. He's talking about artists that he wants to sign. You know, when I get on the phone with Finesse, you know, Finesse has done his time. Finesse is talking about like how he can build wealth, how he can get his credit up, how he can acquire shit in the right way, you know, and what could be like the next move for him to do, how he wants to Well, get and it. he squashed whatever, he squashed whatever that was going on with Moneybag, right? Yeah, and they, they're they like, cool, so yeah. Even with Yo Gotti, I believe, like all that shit like got squashed, you know? So it's like, I don't have really artists that are on that, you know, even uh, Bobby Billions, you know, Bobby Billions made a song with, with both three by Bills and had his age, his day and age where he was wild as a kid, you know, but now he's also a father, you know, he's still making bangers, you know, like, but he's not, he's not worried about the streets. So I don't really like, that's not really something that comes as a problem for me, you know, per se, when it comes to like dealing with like the, a lot of the artists that I work with, where there might be artists, producers, you know, or even just creatives in general. Um, so th- th- that's also not something that I really just like have too much of a problem with, you know. That's good. That's good. Because I think for me, like, I got yeah. into like the past few years, I've been listening to a lot of like Forty Two Doug and ESTG mm-hmm. and Dirk, and I'm like, the music goes so hard, but I also know that there's like stuff behind it, and it's like, especially you know when you hear about artists getting, you know, I think Dirk had a shoot. I mean, he had a shootout at his crib, so it's like I don't want to see these artists. You know, I want these artists to live a long time, right? So. But you know, that whole Atlanta and Chicago culture is like different. It's like they like live and die with that shit. You know, it's like they don't, I don't think they ever grow out of it. You know? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I sometimes like, yo, grow up. Like, you know, like it's time, like leave that behind. And then I think they also, and another thing is, is like even with artists, like it could be bigger than them. You know, situational shit can happen just based on the people that's around them or based on the places that they are, you know? Like, yeah. I think one of like, the most um, eye-opening things, or I don't even know what the exact words to use to describe it, that I saw this year, you know, and it was someone speaking about, like, artists dying, and it was just basically saying, like, the artists, like, they're not dying because that they're artists. You know, they're dying because they... It's almost like he said, like, they're out too late. You know, it's like, if you stay out till 3, 6 in the morning... Man, like, that's so true. You're giving yourself so more of a chance of some shit like, happening to you. Yeah, like, rest in peace, Vaughn. Rest in peace, Vaughn. But it's like, go home. Like, don't go to the next yeah. location sometimes. Like, just go home. Yeah, you know, it's like, you make it... You you make yourself available to some bullshit to happen to you, you know? Yeah, it's like, sometimes the night is over. The night is yeah, just over. Exactly. Like, you don't need to keep going to the next location, chasing the next... Exactly. And, and the next like, move. And someone like Finesse, like as hot and as like as hot and as demanded as I've seen this guy, like he doesn't fucking go to the club. I've well, never... I feel like once you, I feel like once you start getting paid to go to the club, you probably don't go as much because you're like, all right, like I need to get back to do this. That's fair. Even when even when I feel like he gets paid to go to the club, I think he's just he's like in and out of that shit. Like, yeah, I also feel like Finesse. I also feel like 
and other artists who move more militant now. Yeah, like nah. there's certain artists who move real militant. It's crazy that you say that because finesse is the most militant moving individual. Well, I know that he's actually been like you know from before because the reason I think I believe the reason he went back he, he got locked up is because he you know he was in a shootout I believe and like the, the, it was like an unlawful you know whatever possession of a weapon so like once you've been in shootouts and stuff I have to imagine that you begin to move a lot more careful yeah because um, I, I feel because like, I remember I ran to him at uh, our friends uh, shout out Eticon Exotic uh, our friends uh, Exotic Car uh, rental dealership and all that and I felt like he was very you know he was friendly but he was very sort of I yeah. could tell. You know, certain people are just more approachable than others, right? Yeah, uh, I'll right. never forget. I remember like <laughs> Drake threw a private party at a uh, David Buster's. And I, was, I, I kept like this somebody. He looked like ESTG. I know ESTG like stays in Houston a lot, so yeah. I thought it was ESTG, and, and it was. And he had like a uh, like he, you know, he had some people around him. But I remember like I wanted to, like kind of walk about, yo, say like, hey, I really, you know, I really appreciate you, appreciate your music. And he has this line that like, you know, we in parties tripping, please don't walk up asking for no pictures. And like I didn't ask for no picture, but I could just tell like the people around him were like, you know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't going for he wasn't a he wasn't in a mood to be friendly. You know what I mean? And I think and I think certain people like they start to move a little bit more just, you know, like you know, as to who yeah. they're gonna let into their circle. Yeah. And how so. they move. Like I urge every artist, honestly, like, yo, be be militant. Know, be militant. Like I know everybody can't afford crazy security off the rip, but like it's such God, a good investment. God, yeah, car. Life. You know, uh, bulletproof. I mean, it's 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 sad that that has to happen for certain people. And I think the other thing that you said sometimes it's not it's, it's out of their hands. I think another thing that happens too sometimes is that like certain things have just gone too far, right? Yeah. Like I think that certain things just can't be squashed because there's already been it's it's gone to a certain level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so, okay, we're going to transition real quick. Cause I feel like this is, you know, I, I say that this is a stealth dating podcast. Cause low key, like dating is such a great topic because it's just evergreen. I don't know why black Twitter it's just Twitter in general, but Twitter loves talking about dating, you know, splitting the rent, uh, $200 dates. We have, you know, we're gonna have season, season, season 30 of the bachelor season, you know, love Island, love is blind. So like, I know, you know, I think one thing that's funny, especially in Houston, like, being Nigerian is cool now. Like when we were young, we yeah, were the African we, booty scratchers. We pledged for this shit that's going on. Bro, today, you know right? we we you know what we went through being African booty scratchers for and people. I know people were like, oh, let it go, let it go. But I'm sorry, man. You, you had it. You know how it was when your teacher got to your name that first day of class or that substitute teacher. What was it like? I know I know you went through it, man. Come on. First, it started with like. <laughs> like the whole class already knew what time it was. <laughs> you just, Bro, you're, 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 you're just sitting there like, oh. once you start hearing the sneaker in, you're like, man, fuck, you know. And then the next thing that goes through your mind is like, okay, how can I pronounce my name in the most American fucking way ever? Yeah. Like, B- Bolaji, like Tim, you know, like, <laughs> bro. That's like what's going on in your mind. So I'm like, okay, Blasi, 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 and then the teacher like fucks it up. But 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 what? <laughs> but what? Right. And funny. the whole class erupts in laughter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it is. I feel like there's also it, there's there's some teachers like will like I like when the teachers power through it. Like they just power through it because some teachers will do that that thing like. Ugh. 
ooh, they start making those those sounds like, oh, I'm gonna need help here. And it's like, bro, just come on, just get it over with, bro. You're over here dragging this out, bro. Just just do it already. Now I'm, it's the same way, like you know, that, you know how what's the mo- yeah you're right, like what how can I make you know Damilare sound like Josh, right? So you know, uh, Damilare, you know, um, so it, yeah, it is rough, but it's crazy now because now like you know I'm, I'm unfortunately single these days, um, you know, and I like go out and women will. Like they'll know every word to last last. Like they know, like they know, or they'll talk about, oh, I love jollof rice. And it's like, who wait, who put you on a jollof rice? Or they'll be like, yeah, I love a goosey. And it's like, wait, what? Who? T-? And it's always black, like black American women. Like, who? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Or oh, they'll send you like a new Afrobeats record and ask you if you've heard it yet. Oh, like, <laughs> it's such a crazy transformation to see. Like we were really not it, and now yeah. like they love the music. And I'm, I'm not hating. Look, I'm happy for because like the, the you know. The more Afrobeats gets listened to, the more Africans get paid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is such a wild thing to see. And sometimes I wish that the, the girls would just kind of pretend and be like, oh, what's jollof rice? I've never had that before. What's that, <laughs> Goosey? But they, but they just, they just. Nah, TikTok fucked that whole thing up. You know, like, what's shit? Once TikTok came around, like, yo, there's no secrets to any, like, culture. Oh, but it's not even just TikTok. Yeah. Like, they've all dated Africans before, they've all dated oh. Nigerians before. That's true. That's true. Or they be like, "Yo, Nigerians love me." I'm like, "Bro, just like I don't want. I want to be the first and last Nigerian you date. Like, I'm not trying. Like, I don't want to. Don't tell me how you love Agusi and you like Suya and like all this stuff." Yo, but, um, I'll tell you, this African, this African guys out here is like they just like they're so stellar. They just get their hands on every girl that's just out there. It's like, damn, what's left yeah, for me? It is. It's, it's crazy. Yo. Like you're not. Like they're always. It's just it happened a few different times where someone would be like, oh, I, I, oh, have you had Nigerian food? African food? Oh yeah, I love uh, jollof rice. Wait, what? <laughs> Who you love what? That's how I'm like, you know what? Always my test. I always ask them where did they try it, and th- there are just certain restaurants that you that an American girl just should not name. You know, it's like if you tell me like you've had like Nigerian food from Amazon, I'm just like, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's what? extra. That's because I'm gonna. I mean, so this is this, so Houston's funny because this this Nigerian yeah, restaurant. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's Nigerian restaurant. Oh, you said they, they didn't Uber eat that. Yeah, for sure uh, they didn't exactly. Uber eat that. Oh, for it's sure. I mean, the thing is, so for people who don't know, like Houston has a, like I mean, so Nigerians like the biggest populations in America is like Houston, Atlanta, and the DMV, like yeah, the, you DMV, know, Detroit, sure. and like New York has some too, but not you know not not not. Uh, not I like the DMV. Yeah. yeah, they have crazy. They have a lot. It's, it's crazy because there's, there's definitely a, a consulate. Like you get your passport done in Atlanta and New York, but I don't think Houston not not one for your Nigerian passport. But like you know, Houston has so many. Like it sprung up. It started springing up like ten years ago. I feel like, or maybe a little bit more. But like Houston has a bunch of Nigerian restaurants. Like you, like the way you you will go to McDonald's, they have you know Nigerian restaurants. And uh, yeah, Amazon. You walk in, it, it, it smell. It's because some of the Nigerian restaurants are a little bit more Americanized, where it's like if it's like a sit, you sit down, it, it feels. You know, it might as well be like a, a Applebee's, but they just serve Nigerian food. But Amalazon, yeah. Amalazon, they you walk in there, you smell. It's like when your mom's cooking, when your mom is cooking fish, and it's like the whole house smells yeah. like Nigerian food. Just like, yeah, you you can't have any friends over because it's just gonna be like, yo. Why does your house smell like you know the jungle? Um, but yeah, no, it is it is weird to watch the Nigerian stock just go up. Like it almost feels like there has to be a correction at some point because the stock has just been going up. Like I thought it was wild when WizKid was booming, and now like. I mean, 
people know, like people talk about, oh, I, 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 I want, you know, I need, you know, give, I, I want, you know, Igbo and Shayo. Like people are really like, yeah. you know, um, honestly, I don't think there will ever be a correction because I, really, honestly, think, I mean, I also like if you really think about it, like the West African culture has always been something that has always been appreciated, right? That is so um, true if you think about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I need Igbo and Shayo. I'm over here googling the lyrics. Like I'm like they know the lyrics more than I do. Um, but yeah, the, what you're right because like Brazil, like so they're like Brazil, and I think even Cuba, they like worship like yeah. Orisha. Like there's yeah. there's a West African like. Nice. I remember one time I was so crazy to know that. That's, that's, that's oh yeah, crazy. no, they were like even I think Twenty One Savage. I don't know if he still does, but he years ago he was talking about how he worshipped Ifa, which is you know the, uh, a yeah, West African West African guy, yeah, yeah, deity. Um, and I think like I remember one time it blew my mind. I was listening to Paul Simon, and you know like Paul Simon, I think one of like the greatest artists of all time. Like you know, um, you know Paul Simon and Garfunkel. He has a song on like his album. Um, he has a song uh, where he says, you know, he he sings about Ele Dumare, like you know the Nigerian, like the god, uh, yeah. uh, you know. And it's like this is a, a white. I mean, and, and Paul Simon's known for like because he he recorded in South Africa during apartheid. Like he borrows, you know, uh, elements of different, um, uh, you know, lots of different different cultures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like to listen to like a uh, you know a a white dude um, sing about Elo Dumare. Like, it's like, whoa, that's incredible. So you're right. I think the culture has always been, if you go back, there's Fela Kuti, there's all these people, yes. oh, the rhythm of the saints. That's the, that's the song. That's the album and the song. It's called the rhythm of the saints, but he sings, you know, so um, he sings, uh, about, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. Oh yeah. He's, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't just sing about Elo Dumare. He, he says, Baba Lu Aye. And you know, that's, you know, and also, um, yeah, so it's it's very. Uh, he says Olodumare is smiling in heaven, and he says you know Babaluaye spins on his crutches, which is like crazy to you know to think yeah, about. It's um, crazy. Yeah, I gotta go listen to that. I never even knew that. I gotta I'll, go yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'm a big Paul Simon fan. But okay, so all that preamble. So what's your dating life? Because now you know you're booming. You got the role. Like, because you said you know you had you post a lifestyle so that people know yo if my lawyer gets it back, I can get it back. That's also gonna attract, especially in Houston. That's gonna attract you know um, a certain type of women and so like how do you engage you know because you know, you're 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 young you're getting it you have a career you have a degree more than one degree so what's your you know you do you like to trick like what's your you know what's your what's your style <laughs> Yo, this is the end of this podcast <laughs> this, yeah I, I told you I, I end on dating right i, I always i bring it <laughs> okay let, let me say this this is why i always tell like Women I get I engage with like I'm not coming out the gate just all I know trick shit right and I think like I think a lot of guys like today have fucked up the whole dating scene just oh yeah because they they're going to Cabo the first date yeah you know and there's nothing going to Cabo on the first date you know like I've had some first dates in Cabo you know like so there's like nothing wrong with that but I, I think it's just like a type I think it's just like a way of going about it, right? I'm more so, like, I like dealing with women that are not just always asking, you know, ask, ask oh, I want, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I want, I need, you know. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a liability at that point. It's like a yeah, dependent. Exactly. I don't like dealing with all that shit, you know? So that's a big thing for me. And then it's another thing, like, I like dealing with women that can stand on their own, you know? If you're able to stand on your own, like, I don't mind when we go out to eat and the tab comes out and it's like $300 because I feel like, shit, you could have possibly paid for it yourself as well, you know? Yeah, so 300 that's, that's that's a light meal. That's a light meal for you. I've been, I've been out with you and Edekon. That's a light meal, 300 Man, for two people, man, come 
Hey, don't say things like this on this podcast, Devin Larry. I don't know where you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, 48 nights, man. That shit is crazy. What's yeah, the bill? 48 like, baby. Yeah. 48 baby. Years? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Shout out to all the 48. That's all the 48 babies out there, like Drake said. That's all the 48 babies, man. But, um, yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, it's weird. I think that, um, yeah, yeah I, I, think, think, I think we all trick in a certain type of way. And at the end of the day, if we're just being real, like, yo, men work hard all their lives to do what? To live a good quality life and spend their money on women. I feel like, that, you know, assuming, you know, assuming straight men. But yeah, I think I agree. I think that um, because <laughs> we might have some gay listeners. Um, but, but but I think um, yeah, I don't know. I think that like, I think that the the like the tricking thing. Like I think that I, I joked that the city girls kind of gave birth to Kevin Samuels. Like rest in peace, because I feel like there's that whole idea of like, yo, you got to swipe a visa, you got to buy a Birkin, whoop de whoop. And I think that a lot of that that mindset started creeping into everybody's head. And Kevin Samuels came and said, yo, that's for certain people. Like if yeah. you, you know, he'll be like, yo, like you got, and he'll say to a man and a woman too, but he'll be like, yo, if you got, you know, five baby daddies and you weigh 300 pounds, like that's not, the city girls music isn't really for you. But I think that, you know, that, like that whole ethos makes people feel like you have to trick and you have to go to, to, to Cabo on a first date. But yeah. really like, I've seen girls, like I've seen girls be heartbroken over just like normal dudes, like regular dudes. Right. Like I think that I'm not saying I'm not regular, but like, I think that like, I've seen people, like, I think that we, there's, there's this kind of mindset now sometimes where it's like you gotta like, you gotta, you you definitely got, you definitely gotta buy the girl right like to you yeah. gotta take do all this and it's like low key man girls if you if you're just nice if you're funny like girls a girl will like you just off of like if you're nice if you're funny you have something going for yourself. So I think I think honestly what it is I think it's if you're just gonna be yourself and if you are truly at peace and understanding with who you are as like a human being I think that's the most important part and like understanding how to navigate with like certain with like any woman you know i think for me it's like yeah like shit i might i'm not gonna buy you the fucking birkin but shit i'll take you out for a fucking good time like shit you know like we'll we'll go to nice restaurants you know if i'm in the mood for a trip like we'll take a fucking trip you know like we will we will like enjoy like great we'll have great experiences together you know but that doesn't involve me like fucking buying you five thousand dollar van cleef bracelets you know yeah, and, and i and i think that the third, i think that like also the 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 group of girls who really get that treatment like oh i'm like it's like 30 of them you know what i mean it's all the same it's like the same girls with the same rappers and the same athletes like i think yeah. i've seen beautiful women like a guy just who has a job and is cool mm-hmm. and like i think that social media and instagram make it seem because I, I get that in my own head sometimes like do, oh do i have to like do i have to start like Behind people, Chanel, and it's like, no, I really don't. Like, the pressure is real. Yeah, but if you like step, if you step out of social media, it's really like, bro, girls. Because first of all, it's not even that many men, especially black men, who can who can do those type of things, right? Like, it's like a small number of men who can do those things, a small number of women who received it. Like, it's the same thirty women that we all see on the shade room. Also, shout out Angie. I interviewed her uh, for the podcast too. Shout out her, but um, the, the founder of the Shade Room. But you know, I think that like it's easy to get caught up in social media and like music, where it's like I gotta be, you know, I gotta be doing all this crazy stuff. And you know, you, people go out and crash out trying to do crazy, you know, trying to do things for money. Where it's like, yo, like if you're cool, if you're like confident in yourself, if you have something halfway going for you, you can find a nice woman who's who is beautiful and who's cool and who, you know, is 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 gonna like you for you. Like you don't have to, you know 
come out the gate just with something crazy. But um, okay, where, where can um, I guess what's the so what are you working on now? Like, what's next for you? Uh, you have this, I you know, you want to do this JV, which I'm sure by the time this comes mm-hmm. out, you know, the conglomerate will have will have assembled. Yeah, um, man, conglomerate collective, man. That's, yeah, so the, you know, that's the management company that I've been like scaling up. Um, I also want to take the restaurant. You know, that's really like my mom's baby. Um, I'm really trying to take it to like a whole different scale. So right now I really want to move to like a brick and mortar, you know, and eventually build it up to a restaurant group, you know, to where we can have. Yeah. Shout out. So Doopsie's Kitchen, 4.7 stars uh, on Google reviews, which is very high. Uh, Located downtown Houston, 26, uh, 16 Blodgett street, Houston, Texas, 77004. Yes. Uh, 11 a.m. Well, the, the, you can see the hours online, but usually open. It's closed on Sunday, but pretty much open uh, the rest of the week. But if I went there, it's, you know, because I grew up, you know, I grew up eating Nigerian food. So I, I went there, actually brought a friend who got some fire jollof rice, got some, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, got some fire meat, some fire soup. So all you, all you women who are over here eating, eating our food, which we're happy about. Uh, on all these days, you got you got, and all these men who are taking all these women on these, you know, to eat to eat Nigerian food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go to go out. There. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, do a business with your mother. That's like a dream. Like I love, you know, that's that's yeah, what I think right. I dream about. Um, yeah, no, honestly, that's what the most exciting thing I've ever worked on in my whole life. You know, I've worked on a lot of different shit. I've like worked a lot of different businesses, but honestly, like just watching this whole business come to life and. You know, food is like a passion for my mom, and it's just been doing it for like the last 27 years. And, you know, being able to like assist her and, you know, establishing her own thing, you know, that we could make ours and we could pass down for different generations, you know, things that my kids will eat off of, things that my kids' kids will eat off of, just based on like the foundation of like what I know that I'm capable of building it into, you know? So yeah. it's like, with my mom's whole restaurant experiences and, you know, with my ability to actually, like, do business as a scale businesses, um, I'm just super excited to see, like, where it, where it goes. Like, we're, we're almost six months into it right now. Oh, that's a lot of success in six months. Yeah. I was going to ask you next, how long has it been? Because I know I, I saw it pop up, a kind of, like, stealth mode a little bit, um, yeah. you know, and so... And so that was like a big part of it for me. I honestly never wanted anyone to ever know that it was a part of that. Was I was yours, part right? of this kitchen. Was it, you, did, you didn't think they would be able to be honest, or like what was like about the food? Like you, what was like what was oh, the reason? I honestly, I honestly just wanted people to love the restaurant for itself. I didn't want them to be able to attach the restaurant to whatever identity I might have or or I've had in the past, you know. And I just really wanted them to be able to fall in love with the concept in itself. And then I also want to play on the idea of like, you know, the curiosity, you know, the, the, the cat is always going to be, be curious by They're going to run around trying to chase and see. And is your, is your mom's name Doopsy? Is that? Um, no. So her name is Victoria. Well, her Yorba name is Dupe. And the nickname that she has growing up was Doopsies, you know? So she, yeah. my mom named the restaurant and everything. Like, honest, like I always tell people, honestly, like that's that's my mom's thing. Like, I'm just a person in the back office that just <laughs> makes sure everything works. I process payroll, you know. Like, I I work, I do the groundwork, I do the marketing, I, I make feel sure, you, I feel you know, I make sure like this is like we're doing a real business. But when it comes to 
the food, the quality of the food, the work, like the the whole running of the establishment, like it's like that's my mom's like that's that's like her that's her her baby and you know like yeah, I mean it's, she's lucky she has a Nigerian name because I remember I, she has a she has an English name because I used to I used to yeah. wish I, had, I, wish I, I wish I had an English name when I was little. It's fucking crazy, yo. I know. I try to make one up for myself. I think I, think I want to go by like Justin or something because I was like, I just got tired of it. You know, like they get to my name. Also, my name is at the end, towards the end. You know, my last name. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Like, yeah we, I ain't have no African. Oh, okay, I, I could make an American name out of Balaji. I could Billy. Oh, bro, that's a, that's, yeah, that's one thing I love. <laughs> Actually, I respect us. I respect us for sticking with it because I remember you and me, Africans. We like, yo, my name. My name is like Ogogua, Chumeka, uh, whatever. But but you can call me Josh. <laughs> You know, yeah, you, you you could call me Chu, Chu, uh, you could call me you know yeah you could call me Charles like no your name is Chukwameka like yo. yeah and it, it's always funny because it's like you've noticed kids since you were a freshman and then senior year comes around and you're looking at something like wait you're African <laughs> he's like wait wait you're, where, where you get Chuck from your name is Chukwameka like, your name is not Charles bro. You know, it's, it's, it's easy for the Africans that didn't even grow up in Nigeria because they have like American accents and everything, you know. Yeah. They're already on game. It's crazy, yeah. like you know, um, the whole like in the West, like when we were growing up, you know, the whole like chopping on people, like that oh, was like yeah. big, that was like a big culture, you know, like when we were like kids. Oh, I mean, and and that would cause a lot of fights. I remember when I moved to Fort Bend, like I got chopped on, but like we were chopping. This mom was like, "Oh, he called you out." We had to go to the bathroom and fight just over some dry like chopping. I got demoted two grades when I moved to America based on somebody chopping on me. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I grew up in a Nigeria school system where if somebody makes fun of you, you slap them and shit. If the oh, you slap them? Yeah, for yeah. the people, you know, I know people who are out of Texas, we, you know, chopping, we say chopping, that's like like making fun of, you know, I'm, I'm chopping. Yeah. Right. And well, getting was, chopped on was not fun. Cause it, it that just, was not fun. That was like a kid making fun of me on my first day of school in America. And I was just like, yo, what? I was sitting at lunch, I'm eating. And he's like making fun of me. Everybody at the table is laughing. I just turned to the side and I just like slap. I hey, I like slap fire. So dirty. I had no idea the teacher was standing right behind me. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually dope. Like it's funny. I feel, I feel like people would, like every time a, a Africans like oh y'all, y'all used to call us African booty scratchers. People would be like let it go. And like it's I feel like we joke about it, but it is dope to see like you toby like just maxo different people just shining and really glowing up because i'm like we really had it like dog it was dark bro it was dark i had a friend i don't know if you know my you know my friend steven uh steve he said he used to tell people he was jamaican like that's how bad it was bro like he would just say i'm jamaican uh, a lot of africans used to tell people they were jamaican like this shit was I didn't even bad. Know that. He, he was the first person he told me that like a few months ago he's the first person who, i was like yo, i was like why didn't i do that that's like it was bad dog like we were we get made fun of bad, but um, oh yeah, last, I guess last thing before we you tell people where they can find you, I feel like you know obviously our Africans, our our, our parents are like now starting to tell, you know they want grandkids, they want us to get married and stuff, and I feel like we're in that age range. I feel like I just looked up, like how I feel like everybody had a secret meaning to get in relationships, bro. Like I feel like all of a sudden, like everyone you hit that kind of age range, like twenty eight to thirty two, and you look around and it's like whoa, like people are like kind of dropping like flies, and you know it's another thing I feel like it's starting like. It used to be cool, like having hoes used to be cool. And I feel like over the past like 18, like the last year, year and a half, like let's say like last year or two, having like having hoes became like very uncool. You know, maybe it's just me, but does it does it feel like that to you? <laughs> I think it's it, just me. 
Okay, I feel I maybe I just feel some internal pressure, bro. I don't know. I don't know what it is, bro. I feel like people are starting to really settle down. Honestly, I feel like the older I get, the less I trust women. So it's like I think I have I start having too many experiences and then they start doing like you start seeing like a little bit of like the repeated behavior or like you start seeing you get like little hints and, and bits of things like this. And and that's not to say that oh like I would just completely never trust anybody in the future. You know, but I think just for me, and that's not to say like, oh, I just have like a big Rolodex of holes that I have, <laughs> you know, like in my, in my back pocket. But I just feel like for, for certain people, is you're just kind of like just going with the flow and seeing what happens, you know? And so I also feel like you're, when you're focused on building something too, like you're focused on building. I mean, sometimes it's like it's good to have a partner with you, but sometimes yeah. when you're focused on your career and building something, it yeah. is hard to devote energy to another person. And sometimes a lot, a lot of women don't understand that, you know, it's like they want you to be able to talk to them all day, text them all day. It's like, yo, I can't fucking do that. You know, it's like you, I'm got, taking, you got finesse two times on one line. You got Maxo on the other line. I've been on this podcast. I've honestly missed uh, one, two, three, four, five, six phone calls. Wow. See, that's love. I, see, I, I want to say. All right. So yeah. Wait. yeah. Well, let people. I, first of all, I appreciate it because, you know. Your time is very valuable. Um, but let people know where they can find you. Man, you guys can find me on Bissabet. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I, was, I was like... I think I'm on all social media uh, yeah. at Balaji ESQ. If you can spell Balaji correctly, it's B-O-L-A-J-I. Uh, ESQ, no spaces, no underscores, no nothing. Um, yeah. And Wait, did, I, did you live on Bissabet? I live, so I lived on... When I first I, moved, I lived by, I lived by, I lived by Leesman, like on Sanat. And uh, I guess Derry Ash, whatever. I guess wherever Leesman is, okay. and I moves like I moves like Aleve Claudine and Derry Ashford. But okay. where were you on? So for me, I when I first moved to America, I lived right in front of Outley Elementary. So that was oh, like okay. Richmond, and I think that's West Park. It's not no, not West Park. It's Richmond and Derry Ashford. Yeah, I lived on Richmond and Derry Ashford, and then we moved to right across from Funplex. So that was oh okay oh bye. So you were there when Adventure Bay was there. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Adventure Bay, man. I love Adventure, Bay, Adventure man. Bay. Yeah, we lived on like Beach Nut. Basically, off at first we moved there with some family friends. Steve, actually, Steve, man, my, my boy Steve, uh, his family for a little bit. Me and my mom, uh, Beach Nut and Eldridge, and we moved to like Derry Ashland Highway Six. But anyway, we're we're boring people with our A Leaf talk. But shout out the West, shout out you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, when this podcast, when this podcast gets you know a million billion downloads, I'm gonna come to you to do to get the deal done. Make sure I get those you know those those good that good deal. Um, Barstool, you know, uh, Spotify, The Ringer, a Revolt Complex, you know, come holler at me. All the brand, li- all the brand licensing, everything, the ads, you know, we're going to work it all out. We- and all you out. artists, you heard that earlier. He got somebody up from 100 to, to 350, then a, a, another 100 on publishing. So, you know, come to this, man. If you need somebody, to, you know, if, not, if, if your record label's not talking to you nice, I think, I think I know who to talk to. So I appreciate you. Thank you for the time. Let's get you paid, man. Thank you so much, Diamond Laura. I appreciate you, brother. For real, it's love. Love. All right, that was Bolaji. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a five-star review, join the Patreon. Just, you know, support the podcast in any way you can. Uh, follow me on everywhere at DSonoiki, D-S-O-N-O-I-K-I, D-Shonoiki. Um, And uh, the podcast at Not Industry Pod on Instagram not industry on TikTok. And yeah, just stick around.